This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Show is about your calls. We go to them. Talk to Tim in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tim. Hey, good evening, Ian. What's on your mind tonight, sir? I wanted to talk to you tonight about uh, something that just has been passed in my town of York, Pennsylvania. Okay. And it has to do with landlords and renters. Oh, boy. And they have a new uh, system where they put points on your rental property if your your renter or tenant uh, commits a crime. And then when you accumulate enough points, they derm your, deem your house a public nuisance, and then they... Uh, they take it? They, they take it from you. Wow! Incredible. How many points it, do you? How many points do you have to insane. get? I, I am a I am a landlord, and my my tenants pay their rent. And uh, other than that, I'll talk to them whenever they need to talk to them. But other sure. than that, I'm uh, I stay out of their lives. I have no clue what they do. Yeah, that's how I am. I'm a hands-off kind of guy. So, is it just for when they break the law, or can you get points for other things like a couch in your yard? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's what made me call because I heard you talk about the couch in your yard. <laughs> And they also have uh, have those uh, main. They have a thing they call maintenance code violations, mm-hmm. which you also uh, get points for. And then, so I, I don't know exactly how many points you need to accumulate, or what is equal to what amount of points. But the other thing they just uh, enacted in this law is points transfer from owner to owner. Well, if I had to buy a rental property, I would assume the points of the previous <laughs> owner, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, it really is. I mean, talk about driving people out of town. Get rid of the entrepreneurs. Get all the landlords out of town. Who would want to? Who would want to own property under a, a restrictive situation like that? Exactly. Well, you know, I think they they're trying to promote uh, own, people to own their property. And not rent, but who what? wants to own a property in that environment? Oh, you or, mean you, you mean know, they, they you own you... a property in, in hopes of eventually uh, putting your place up for rent, which is what I did. Right. So you you're know, saying they're trying to encourage people not to rent at all, just to buy a house and live in it, and not actually rent it out. I'm sorry. Say again. You're trying to suggest that they're encouraging people to just buy one house and live in that, and not rent it out to people. That that that's what they 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 say they encourage. Uh, Owner occupants. Well, and I'm saying that the more laws that you put on, regardless of you're an owner or a renter or in in the in the town, nobody's going to want to live there. Yeah, I sure I'm with you. wouldn't have bought that property if I known they would have done this. And you know, the other thing it does is uh, it, it it it's rough on young families. Uh, for instance, in Sarasota, Florida, I have a rental. And, uh, I, you know, it's a house that I used to, to own, own and live in, but, you know, I decided to keep it because uh, property values were crap down there, and I thought I'd uh, hold on and gamble. But um, the the renters that I have in there currently pay less than I do on the mortgage for that house. Forget the taxes and the uh, the insurance, uh, you know, just you know, put them out of the question. They pay, they pay less than I pay on the mortgage. So you're losing money? I am. Um, but they... You know, so these people are able to live in a house that uh, they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. Now, the, the fact is, rentals all over Sarasota, that's essentially how it's going for most uh, people that own property down there. Uh, but, you know, that, that's it's, it's still the situation is that people are living in houses that are better than they can afford. 
What's yeah, in it to I do? lose money right now myself because it's a good friend of mine who rents, and he was in a, in a bind, I so see. I rented to him. And I know he's going to take care of my property, so I don't have the concerns of, ha- of upkeep that maybe a normal landlord would have. Yeah, but if but he gets popped regard, for marijuana possession or something like that, they'll put points on your property. Exactly, exactly. And I'm not policing up on him. And that's not the type of guy I am. Or that's, right, so this will actually encourage busybody landlords. This will encourage landlords to uh, nose their way into their tenants' business. Exactly. You know, um, this is terrible. Um, and it, they, they did an article about this on the, uh, the newspaper uh, website. And then, you know, people can actually, like, leave comments sure. on the, on the uh, article. And I was shocked at how many pro comments they were for this program people are saying you know these uh these landlords are what ruin our town and yep. blah 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 and how they and they're for this point system and people are, scary to me. people who aren't landlords it seems or have never been landlords can be really anti-landlord it's amazing but you know and of course people always want restrictive you know there's always people out there that want restrictive laws that'll uh, get in your business and your dealings with other people well I basically people, well they don't remember that at one time they didn't uh, i don't know how you guys were but in the very beginning i didn't have the money just to buy a house i had to rent for a long time a mm-hmm. lot i mean renting is very it's very important to have sure. properties to rent you know affordably yeah, you know what they've basically done here from I mean, the way I'm seeing this is they're turning landlords into unpaid enforcers for the state, basically ensla- almost enslaved enforcers for the state because essentially the landlord has an incentive now to bust his tenants for whatever crime it is they're committing before the police find out about it. So, the, I mean, the message from the government is you better figure out if you've got bad tenants or not before we figure it out. Otherwise, we are going to possibly take your property from you. So this is really going to make a bunch of landlords pay close, close attention to what their tenants do, and they'll essentially become landlord cops. They'll be an extension of the police department, and I think this is terrible news. You know, and, and it's typical government where... They enact their policies, but then they can't even regulate them because there's a there's a local um, real estate companies that are having problems because there's no way to know for sure how many points are on a property. They don't they haven't enacted that yet. Oh God! So people are buying properties and then finding out down the line. Oh wow, I have points on this property. I didn't even know. How long do the pro- points stay on there? That you know it, it doesn't say, but it says you have a. In the article, it says you have five days to appeal your points once they're tacked on. Well, I go, I, sometimes I only talk to my tenant a month at a shot when he pays the rent. If that, yeah. You know what I mean? So it, I, I, I haven't had a problem with it yet. I haven't gotten any letters in the mail. I don't, wow. My tenant hasn't, hasn't done anything wrong that I know of. I don't know if they send the landlord a letter right away or what, but they said you have up to five days to appeal it. Amazing. It, which seems ridiculously too short. Well, I wish you good luck, Tim, and keep us in the loop as to what continues to develop with this particular situation. And I thank you for the call and cluing us in on that tonight because that's a new one. I mean, really, just yet more evidence that these government people really believe they own your property. And, you know, what they do is likely a um, – just, you know, looking at the situation, likely a property that gets points is in a – you know, it's, it's a less desirable property. So what do they do? They put points on the property and make it even less desirable. What they're doing <laughs> is creating crack houses. 
Wow. I, I, the, the fallout from this is going to be interesting to see what happens and probably very tragic in many ways as people will lose their homes for events that they cannot possibly control. You can't know what your tenants are doing inside their house. You, you can't put up cameras or anything like that. You can't do anything. You can't, I mean, if you start inspecting your tenant's house, they're going to get, get pretty pissed, and I think rightfully so. Well, likely they'll report you to the town, and you'll get in trouble for uh, being uh, too nosy. Too nosy. They, they probably have, I'm sure they have tenant privacy laws. There are so many laws against landlords. It is amazing that people even bother being landlords. Here in New Hampshire, I don't know any of them except one, and that's because I don't care. But I happened to stumble across one of them. One of them is that you can't collect last month's rent up here. You, you can't uh, kick, a, kick a family out uh, during In the, winter the winter months. months. Yep, that's another one. You can't put your tenants' names on the water bill. The water bill has to come to the owner, at least around here in, in Keene, New Hampshire. That's nuts. Yeah. Why? I, because, I don't know, it's some sort of tenant protection thing. So maybe the idea is that tenants should have the right to unlimited water included in the how price come, of the how rent. How come a homeowner doesn't have the right to unlimited water then? I, I mean, I don't know. Shouldn't shouldn't the town of uh, Keene here be be guaranteeing <laughs> you unlimited water? Don't you deserve that? Don't you have the right to water? Well, that's just it. You know that there's this separate class between tenants and. Landlords. Yep. Anytime, you know, being a landlord's a business, and businesses are the government's bitch. Whenever money's transferring around, the government always wants to get a piece, right? They always want to get in there and get in the way. 800-259-9231 is a SACL CAI toll-free line. What would the world be like with no national defense? We'll find out in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. And they and uh, they include the bulletin board system. Over 375,000 posts await you. Lots to talk about. From serious issues to fun stuff, you will find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Do you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers? Well, innerknobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. You can save 10% on your order by using code FTL at checkout. That's innerknobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com, and you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. Now, sometimes when we talk about freedom... And specifically when I talk about the free marketplace, there are certain people who will shy back and they'll say, well, well, I like the free market in general and it works pretty darn well on, well, you know, products and services and stuff like that and the normal things that I'm used to in my life. And I might be able to see how it could possibly work for roads, but boy, we sure need the government here to keep us safe from other governments, don't we? Don't we need a government around to help keep us safe from marauding military invaders? For it would instance? seem like that's the uh, the base, uh, you know, idea of a republic. It is. certainly is one of the premises. But then again, if you go back to the even the government's own constitution, there's actually a provision that says the army shouldn't be around for more than two years at a time. So it was intended to be a very temporary. But the thing, militias, if but militias were state uh, militias run by the governors, and uh, you know, they they the intent was that uh, every every state have its own militia. 
militia, and those militias be uh, available to the republic. And and if the republic needed to pull the, pull up a, uh, a an army, then it would likely pull from the militias first. Which is why there's no point in going back to the constitution because it was certainly a flawed document. So let's look forward to see what it is that we really need the government. I mean, is it even necessary at all for defense? I mean, people seem to believe that only the government can have tanks and big things that go boom and stuff like that. But is that really true? Butler Schaefer over at LouRockwell.com has a few things to say about it. He starts out with a quote from Anonymous. War is like a big machine that no one really knows how to run. And when it gets out of control, it ends up destroying the things you thought you were fighting for and a lot of other things you kind of forgot you had. Butler says, when explaining the advantages of living in a society grounded in liberty and voluntary relationships rather than the statist model of institutionalized violence, the question that invariably provides the final hurdle to overcome is that involving national defense. Intelligent minds can grasp how streets and highways, schools, fire protection, parks, and other traditional governmental functions can be performed in a marketplace. I think for me that uh, actually the, the the final hurdle is police, not uh, not in fact the military. Um, I, I I do believe that individuals can protect their communities and would uh, rally towards you know people nearby in their you know uh, state or, and country yep. in order to protect them. I I I feel the militias make a hell of a lot of sense. But I say, um, you're not talking about state-controlled militias, though. You're talking about yeah, I, I, voluntary. We, we don't have competing. any state-controlled uh, militias. I understand right. that the old uh, you know formula for that is that, but uh, you know, no more state-controlled than my uh, volunteer fire department is. Got it. But as if, as if out of fear of letting go of the statist model altogether, most people will hang on to the question: How would a non-statist society protect people from invasion and occupation by a foreign state? In a stateless society, what would prevent our being taken over and tyrannized by outside forces? For many, even those who favor a minimal state, national defense is a necessity not to be entrusted to the unstructured nature of a society of free people. Now, my initial response to such hesitancy is to point out that a strong national government makes us more vulnerable to attack and invasion. I agree with that. The state serves not as a shield that protects us, but a jugular vein that provides others with a central target to be subdued. Right. It, it's you know it's like waving meat in front of a uh, in front of a tiger. Uh, you know, if you have, how are you going to conquer the United States if there's no Washington D.C. to take? Indeed, if men and women have been foolish enough to identify themselves with a nation-state, such attachments make it easy for their governments to transfer their compliant herds to another power. Consider how easily Hitler and Stalin were able, in some cases, within a matter of days, to subdue neighboring lands, acquiring in the process of surrender people already well-trained in the duties of obedience. Imagine, by contrast, the difficulties that would be faced by any political system intent on invading and subduing men and women already accustomed to liberty. If the Chinese government was intend, uh, intent on conquering a stateless America, how would it go about doing so? I wonder, would wonder how the Chinese government would, be, would conquer a, 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 a United States with a government, but... You know, that's beside the point. If shiploads of trained, trained Chinese soldiers arrived in L.A., for example, where would they go to bring about a surrender of the population? There would be no mayor, governor, or president to surrender a collective whole, a horde to such external forces. Knowing that whatever defenses they had to such an attack rested upon themselves, millions of individuals would doubtless devise their own methods of protection. The invading soldiers would have to go door to door in an effort to subdue the Angelinos. Local people don't take kindly to being invaded and occupied and will resist vigorously, a truth that is 
being rediscovered in places like Iraq, whose state army was long ago disbanded. The inability of governments to effectively resist invasions and attacks has been well demonstrated in the continuing immigration of Central Americans into America, people who come for peaceful purposes, as well as the attacks of 9-11. That otherwise intelligent beings can continue to sanction the looting of trillions of dollars in furtherance of the illusion that the state is protecting them in some way is a testament to how well their minds have been conditioned by their masters. Beyond such apparent arguments against the national defense myth is to be found a more significant truth, and that is that national defense has nothing whatsoever to do with defending the lives, liberty, and property interests of Americans. The defense system is, in fact, a system of offense against principally the American people. During my youth, says Schaefer, the proposition was made much clearer in identifying the conduct of war as being under the direction of the War Department. And once World War II was over and the American government had decided that peace was no longer a value to be pursued, that a permanent war machine was to be set up on behalf of a worldwide corporate state hegemony, such an emergent purpose had to be disguised as national defense. The state has been defined by most as, most as an institution with a monopoly on the use of violence within a given territory. Violence must be resorted to by political systems in order to overcome the self-interested purposes by which individuals conduct their lives. And this is what we were talking about with our caller earlier, who was saying that if your tenants commit too many crimes, they'll put points against your house. And all of that sounds very, very, oh, civilized, right? Points Ooh, you're going to have some points here. Just, okay, you get 12 <laughs> points today. Okay, now if you get to 50 points, then there are some consequences here, so you don't want to get to that point. Now, what are the consequences? Well, the consequences are they steal your home. But these people don't call it stealing. It is, however, violence. I mean, a rose by any other name, right? So You know, I, I was uh, reading a, a book called Give Me Liberty. It's by uh, Bain Publishers. And uh, there, it was a, it's a compilation, actually, um, of books. And uh, the end one I wanted to do as a, uh, an audio book, but couldn't work it out with the, the guy who owns the rights to, <laughs> to the uh, audio book. Not the author. He's dead. And it's called And Then There Were None. And essentially this, uh, you know, the idea is that the Earth sent out colonies and then was trying to basically bring all the colonies in under the uh, big, you know, Earth government. So they land a uh, spaceship there, and they send out their little, uh, you know, negotiators and their armies and all that stuff. And they try to find who's in charge. And these people have been gone so long, they don't even know what they mean by who's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, they, they end up going to the guy who isn't running the fire department, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, you know, the guy who runs the diner. And, you know, pretty soon the uh, locals, who are pretty cantankerous, explain it all to them, and we don't have that. More on the way here. We'll continue discussing national defense without a government. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Head over to freetalklive.com and vote for the show while you're at it. Mark, uh, how are we doing? Really bad. Uh, we, have, we have Well, really we've... bad being we're in first place. <laughs> Stop it. We have two bad. votes. 
but we're only two Wait, votes we're only, up. We're only in first place by by two. That's correct. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even expressing yeah, myself well. Apparently, it's the the, the, okay. the coke I had earlier has uh, got me all befuddled. You were snorting coke before the show. That's well, not coke, a good cola. Idea. Oh, okay. For me, that is it's about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. We are a, a mere two votes in the lead, and need your vote at vote.freetalklive.com. We really do. And there's another three, I mean, less than three days left, so we really need votes. Vote.freetalklive.com. 31 days in August, so today, tomorrow, and the next day. Yeah. Uh, Vote.freetalklive.com makes a big difference for us, only takes a moment for you, and we appreciate it. Please do. I need that. We're talking about national defense, and people believe that they need a government around to protect them from other governments. But in point of fact, as Butler Schaefer is pointing out from LewRockwell.com, Government actually is a major target. You don't want to have a government around because it essentially it is it's an apparatus for another government to come in and then take over and then use that to subdue the already obedient population. I think that's one of the best points against government military. Well, I think that the government military, uh, personally, if I were looking at it, I would think the government military is a, a superior deterrent for not uh, groups from outside of the country that would uh, choose to try to gain control of it, but groups from inside. Well, okay, I see where you're coming from In on a that. violent measure. Groups from the inside already do control the government, um, yeah. and, and, and they're not you. But Someone who's competing with the government from the inside of the country. That would be my bigger concern. Yeah. Well, let me continue the story here from LewRockwell.com. Of course, the other re- one of the other reasons why, in my opinion, uh, why a government is a useless thing against another invading government is because they're two centralized powers fighting one another. Whereas if you've got decentralization versus a centralized power, a very, very poor band of decentralized Fighters can do a pretty darn good job against a well-funded, centralized on their home band. turf, um, not on a not on foreign turf. Um, you, you, right, we're you talking to... about defense here. We're talking yeah. about how people could defend their okay, own I see country. What you're I thought I thought you were saying that essentially, if a a poor, unorganized band of marauders decided to come in the United States, they'd do well against our military. And no, they wouldn't, especially if they spoke Czech or something like that. So you know, not so much. The, the thing of the thing that Americans uh, sort of live with is that we have the biggest, baddest military the world has ever known. So the idea of invasion currently is it's not very likely. Um, and, you know, the, we, we, even if they did invade, we don't believe for a second they'd ever take over. So this, the argument's kind of moot because we don't believe it could happen. So Butler Schaefer says that the st- as the state increases the number of people to be regulated, as well as the size of the territory within which it operates, which it's constantly increasing itself, if it can. That much is true. It is increasingly confronted by the countervailing forces of individual and private group interests. The state's response invariably is to further expand the coercively backed demands by which it rules, which is why we always see that the state uh, is always expanding its laws. There's always some new program that the the bureaucrats are ready to come out with. There's always some new form of regulation that they want to put on your life or your property, your freedom, and it never Ends And no amount of voting and running candidates has ever done anything to turn that process around. It just – the government just keeps on increasing control. Well, that much is true. Um, you know, they – probably the government has uh, increased its size every presidential term since there's been a government. But you can get um, issues here and there handled. For instance, Andrew Jackson got the uh, you know central banks gotten rid of and, and got us back on the gold standard. That's a good thing. But that's not true today. We have a central bank now, and nobody's on the gold standard. That much is true. So really, I mean, you can point out one or two examples of, oh, yeah, didn't they get rid of that 
Spanish-American war tax or something like that from the 1800s. Whoa, boy! The government's really slashing itself back there, isn't it? Well, that was after 2000, yeah. All right, so the larger the nation that is to be subdued by violence, in other words, the more powerful the force is needed to terrorize the population into obedience. I mean, that's why we're seeing now... These black-clad cops with riot gear, no name tags, smashing people in the head. We're seeing them arresting eight-year-olds. We're seeing just the insane rise of the police state. That's kind of what he's talking about here. The status are well aware that political systems have never arisen through a social contract. As much as they want us to believe the social contract exists, sorry, it's fantasy, that contracts are far too personal in nature to allow for the illusion of 300 million people participating in some collective meeting of the minds about anything, augmented by the deception with which political systems have rationalized their nature and origins, the state has always been the product of violent conquest. Even as the Constitution was undergoing ratification, but after the requisite nine states had approved the document so as to bring it to fruition, the resulting United States government then threatened the recalcitrant state of Rhode Island with invasion and a blockade of its port should it fail to ratify. So it began immediately. Rhode Island can be truly said to be the first victim of American imperialism. Incredible. I've never heard this story. As we've seen in recent decades. Of course you wouldn't, would you? Right. They're not going to teach you that in government school. They want you to believe it was uh, everybody was singing songs together. Over this. this. This Constitution's great. And the reason that it took several years for ratification between the different states was, well, things were slower back then. Yeah, it took then. a while to get from one Horses point to another. Things. Uh, anyway, ta- so he says, as we've seen in recent decades, the strengthening of our national defense system has always been accompanied by a weakening of our liberty and the protection of our lives and property that it was the avowed purpose of this system to defend. Taxes become sharply increased, and regulations of our privacy and daily conduct expand to meet what usually turns out to be a bogus threat, like terrorists. How much more are our lives policed and restricted today than they were prior to 9-11? When our state deprives us of what we're trained to fear others will take from us, it's time for thoughtful people to examine their conditioning. After all, what's the point of defending yourself from takeover of another government when you've already got a government that's taking over 50% of your income every single year? And that's a conservative number. Well, if it's, uh, you know, if the, if the uh, opposing government wants to come in and set up a caliphate, make our women wear burqas and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know they, they chop the hands off of thieves or whatever uh, sort of awful yeah. things that, uh, you know, perhaps the, the Muslim terrorists, whoever they are um, out there. You know, are, are going to do. I can see why people are somewhat scared. But then again, it's not really the military that keeps those governments at bay because the military is stationed at over 700 bases around the world, and they're just not so much around here. It's really gun owners. It's really that American spirit of uh, depend or inter- independence, rather, though it's turning into dependence these days. It's that original spirit that still exists enough to the point where there's enough gun owners here that I think would scare off any invading foe. I agree. I don't think you can fight a land war in the United States. That said, uh, we continue here with Schaefer. He says that to those who cluck that without a strong system of national defense, we could be taken over by hostile powers. The Rhode Island episode should be illuminating. We have already been taken over by hostile powers emanating from such places as Washington, D.C., Sacramento, Albany, Springfield, and all other settings where men and women presume the power to rule over others. In order to maintain their authority, statists require the means of enforcing their will upon others. And because political systems enjoy a monopoly on the use of violence, their very existence depends upon the permanent installation and equipping of mechanisms of state-directed violence. This is the role played by police and military forces. 
Now, when Walt Kelly's pogo possum announced to his friends that we have met the enemy and they is us, he was providing the essence of what we need to know about the nature of state power. His lesson has been echoed so many times in so many places throughout America as men and women have been clubbed, gassed, tear-gassed, caged, and even shot for daring to openly dissent from the policies of the political establishment. Lest anyone fail to get the message that the well-being of the state depends upon the most arbitrary exercise of its violent capacities, the performance of its national defense agencies in foreign lands should awaken them. If the homes of Iraqis can be bombed and forcibly entered with blazing guns, if critics of such practices can be rounded up and shipped off to various foreign lands to be tortured and held without trial, and if small children can be blown apart by soldiers employed by political leaders who pretend that they're pro-life, what message is left for those of us to consume in the safety of our living rooms? When Randolph Bourne told, uh, told us that war is the health of the state, he was fully cognizant of the fact that the war mentality is essential to the creation and enforcement of the collective mindset upon which state power resists. It is what war does to the rest of us, not just to those upon whom the bombs fall that gives the state its authority. I'll have a few more thoughts on this and your calls as well about anything coming up on Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features are free. Enjoy them on us. And uh, don't forget that if you like the show, you can become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. It is a, uh, a, a simple idea. You send 3 bucks a month into the program. It's automatically taken out of any major credit card or your PayPal account or some alternative options. And we take that money and reinvest it in the show. Go get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. We are talking about the issue of national defense and whether or not a government is even necessary to keep you safe. And as Butler Schaefer is arguing at LewRockwell.com, in fact, it's the government that puts us in the greatest danger. It may continue with some of his thoughts, but let's go to your calls here. People have been uh, waiting, like Lauren, listening to WAIS in Ohio. Hello, Lauren. Hey there. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Um, great um, article that you're reading. I Thanks. love this conversation because people are finally, you know, I know there's a lot of atheists. Are any of you guys atheists? I, no, I, I used to be an atheist, but now I consider myself a pantheist. Okay. Well, I mean, like, do you generally believe that something created you and it wasn't a man? I that's generally a, believe that. That's a, I don't okay, know see, how even, to answer that question. Even atheists can go with that one. The deal is, you know, that men didn't make other men, and the Bible says, and this is for the people that they hate the Bible, but it's really on your side. God didn't give men dominion over other men. He gave them the right to give themselves away in slavery. If mm-hmm. you want to be a slave, be a good slave. But you don't have to be. The and, men, when and, we came over from England, we came over all as kings. We were all free men. Mm, sovereigns. And that's what I mean. And the thing is, they have tricked the people. The, the Constitution is a body of negative law to limit the government. Right. And to yep. keep it from harming the people. They even added this Bill of Rights. But check out this little piece on the Bill of Rights. It's the preamble... To it, and you don't. You got to look to find it, but you can find it. But and as and as this is the purpose, the conventions of a number number of states, having at the time of their adopted the Constitution, expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, and that is extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the beneficent ends of its institution. 
See, so they had to get the confidence of the people in a group of men instead of in free men to do as they please. Yeah, I mean, the, the legitimacy of the government is paramount to it. I mean, it needs to, it needs people to believe in it. It needs people to believe that it's a well, good thing. it needs thing. people to obey it. And here's yes. the power piece that's missing from the uh, Lou Rockwell article. How do you get that power to just, to not fear these people and to walk upright the way that you're supposed to? Even if you're an atheist, you, we all agree, thou shalt not kill, right? You, you get that power from within inside yourself. You well, make the decision to stand is, up. The underlying power, though, if you read the Bible, what it says is that you should fear the one that can destroy both body and soul in the fires of hell. Not just, you shouldn't fear men. Don't fear men. Fear the one. The one well, I, I do know that there are men that, now there is a legitimate fear. I mean, th- there are men that are very, very violent, and they're willing to hurt you and your family, steal your house and your car. So I understand again, why who, people are who, scared. Who are you more scared of, though? The one that created you? Or the one that is going to just Well, see, now that's body. where we're going to differ on as far as uh, the viewpoint of, uh, as far as belief systems are concerned. If I Here's believed in hell, I would be scared of the person that could send me to hell. I don't believe in hell, and I don't believe God would necessarily, would send people that he created okay, there. Hell is only not in union with God. It's just not in union with truth. And, and see, that's what's wrong with this country. Look at this place. I mean, you got, you got George Bush talking about the GD piece of paper that yep. the Constitution is. These are the only people that are supposed to obey the darn thing, and they don't obey it. Nope. But we're all scared and giving them money to do what they're doing to us. Well, I Who's don't give them money anymore. I, I, I don't. I do Me pay neither. the. Oh, yeah. No, right. no, no. I'm, I'm done with that. I, I still pay the local government, but that's only because my girlfriend's too scared of the violent men, and she has demanded that I continue paying until we can oh, have enough people well, to stop. You know what? Because you can, uh, the thing is, operating in truth is where you get the power. That's why they lie. They do all this stuff in the dead of night, in the dark, when people, you know, they're getting ready to try to squeeze something through over Labor Day while everybody's home. They're sneaky because if it it was exposed to the light, the people would refuse it. But what I'm saying is, they're time pirates. They're stealing all our time. We've got to chase around on this article, uh, you know, on this issue and on that issue. When if you just get out from under them completely, when you realize what they are, I'll just, let me just finish with this. Yes. Article 14 of the um, Bill of Rights. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. That means there are su- people that are not subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Hmm. Right, but meaning you U- have to opt in. To be in. a U.S. citizen is to be a club member. If you sure. read Article 4, Section 2 of the Constitution. And it's a crappy it's deal, too. I mean, the U.S. citizen, you're a member in a club where they can change the rules at any old time they want to, and the organizers of the club have no obligation to provide you with any sort of protection services. There really is no such thing as a citizen. Well, the protection is, Article 4, Section 2, the citizens of each state shall be entitled to all the privileges and immunities of citizens in the several states. That's not right. That's yeah, but it's not sure. Status. Yes, right? I I totally understand where you're coming from. Let me ask you about uh, your experience, though. I mean, you sound like a lady that's really sure of herself that you've taken this stand. Oh, I live this way. You've dis- I'm, you- right. I'm so done. do I, you I did all the- <laughs> do you pay pr- I ran so for school board and I did sure, all the sure. you know, Democrats and the Republicans and Libertarians. And, I love and- talking to people that have opted out that have uh, reclaimed their sovereignty. I think it's fascinating, and I think our listener. I know if I'm interested, there's people out there listening that are interested. So I'm curious as to your story uh do you pay property taxes and if not how does that yes. work for you yes for now i do and but but i'm getting ready to take my land off the tax roll how do you how does one do that that's what i'm doing i'm doing the research i know people that are doing all kinds of things it's is this in, is this a lodial title is that what you're talking about 
Um, well, no, I mean, like, when I brought my land, I brought my land from the owner and did not even register it with the county. And so I'll be withdrawing it from the rolls. That's the thing. What, what you're doing when you're paying taxes is you're, making, you're saying, hey, register my land. Do this service for me. And so they say, okay, this is the fee for that service. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, we're going to tell you whether you could put a fence up or if you're in a floodplain. We, yeah. we made contractual deals with these other people over here, so we're going to tell you what you can do on your land. You're agreeing to all that. So, and, this, and this is the point. It's the same thing with school. I homeschool my children. I'm not a, you know, I don't... Oh, I'm with you. Well, I'm... and so my point is, here's a school with $25 billion every other year, and the kids can't read at grade level at fourth grade. Right. I think it's outrageous uh, what goes on in the government indoctrination camps, and I don't want to fund it. I do want to withdraw from uh, that system, and it's just confusing as to, well, I mean, do you have to go, what sort of process does one have to go through to do the things you're talking about? I know you say you're in the... Well, no, you don't go process. That's the whole point. See, when you understand the law, if you look at the Bill of Rights, you'll notice that they use a capital C for citizen all the way up to the 12th Amendment. After that, and by the way, they pulled out the 13th Amendment that said no titles of nobility, no lawyers. Yes, they no did. Squires, it's true. None of the. And yep. so this is my point. This is a manipulation. If a bunch of people can get together and throw some, something down on paper, like if the Masons have rules, do I have to follow their rules? If the French people have rules, do I have to follow their rules? I'm with you. That's no, sort of that's how I right. feel about it. Is that you know I just I bought my property and I just want to opt out. You I don't. Your land. I listen, don't feel like listen, I hmm? legal ease. You bought your land. There's a difference. Bought my land. Is your okay. relationship to the land. And See, there are, so there's point. all these people, Lauren, that'll tell you that there's some sort of process you have to go and beg to get the title no, and no, all no, that no, stuff. No, and I don't like that. Who, I don't like the idea of begging. Those are people who think they can solve the problem within the system that yeah. is in the cage. It, it's inside the problem. What do you think? What do you think will happen though? If I mean, if I don't pay property taxes, and I could, you know, I could write them a letter oh, and say, really? show me. No, no, no. They're very good about following the rules. Look at if you. This this is a legal issue. This is just a truth issue. It's it's kind of like can't, people canceling their credit cards. I talked to a girlfriend of mine the other day. She just got another. It's like thirty five thousand dollars, but they're not loaning anything. And all you have to do is confront them with it. I have a friend that her house is in bankruptcy. They tried to push her into um and and they um. Hmm. Uh, not a court uh, with a trial by Arbiter. a jury with a judge who is the referee, not the boss, and the law, uh, the, the code, rule, regulation, statute. That they didn't want her in there. They wanted to push her into arbitration. You see, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it, we'll have an agreement under this 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 other court. You see. And this is my point. We don't understand the truth. And this is why I love the Bible. Hosea, my, uh, my people are just... I have to tell you, we are really short on time at this point. I find this conversation fascinating. I love the topic you're covering, and I'm just saying that the whole point is keep your money in your pocket. Stop giving them your money. I'm with you. Keep your children in your homes. And stop obeying. I just have to. I'm, I am stopping obeying on as many things as I possibly can at this point. But my trick, the trickiest part for me, would be convincing my girlfriend that they're not going to steal my house from me and come here with a gang of thugs to throw me out of my own home if I you stop know what, paying. Have you ever been to peoples-rights.org? No, I don't think so. You might so. want to check that out. Okay. It is got some very wonderful information there. Great. I'm, I'm just thinking of the quickest, easiest. I appreciate it. People's, people's dash rights and calls back sometime. Let us know how you're going or your process is going over there in Ohio. Would love to hear uh, some continuous updates from you, Lauren. Could you do that? Sure. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
To reclaim your sovereignty, you don't have to beg. You don't have to fill out paperwork. That's what she's saying. That's what I believe to be the case. You just make the statement that you're a sovereign. It's Free Talk Live. Hour 2 coming up. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. As again, we launch here to Hour 2 of the program. 1-800-259-9231 is a number. We go right back to your phone calls and talk to Russell in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Russell. Oh, hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Not much, um... I've been listening to you guys for a long time. I can remember when you first came on after Harry Brown. Oh, man, that is a long time. Gosh. Yeah, I think I was one of the three people to listen to Harry Brown. <laughs> Very good, sir. We listened, too. That's, um, how but, we got, that's how we got on the air. Yeah. Um, but there, uh, talk about uh, Mark. Uh, he thinks that there needs to be a small government. Mm-hmm. There's a good article on LewRock.com about Somalia. Uh, I think it was on yesterday. Uh-huh. Oh, really? A newer article. Yeah. Cool. I didn't see that one. It's called uh, Recovering Lawns, Cell States, and Reasons for Hope. And um, What is it, it, what is it called? Say it again. Recovering Lawns, Cell States, and Reasons for Hope. Okay. By William Norman Gray. I never wrote, I never read anything about him before. Oh, so we've, we've read Greg's stuff on the air. He's really good on following the police state, and he has done a lot of great uh, stories about that, uh, including some detailed, very, very detailed stories about the, the, the FLDS situation. So if you've listened to this show frequently, you've definitely heard some William Norman Gregg. Okay, but um, he talks about how there was a period where there was actually no government in Somalia, and uh, the free market solved all the problems, and they had people actually um, hired private protective services like you talk about. Private protection, sure. Yeah, all that you talk about, and then, uh, of course, the government came in and messed that up and created chaos again. Do, do they have a government back now? Because the last time, the last story yeah. we read was from, I think, sometime in early 2007. And at that time, the U.N. was coming in trying to foist a government on the people, but they weren't interested in having a government, which is one of the reasons why there's continued strife, because the people don't want the government that the U.N. is trying to uh, to put upon them. So you're telling me they now actually have a government there and that it is officially in place and that it's accepted? I, I find that hard to believe. Something like, I mean, it's kind of a complicated article, but I mean, yeah. the government came in and, and screwed things up again, so now it's kind of a mess again because mm. of the yep. government. They tried to put a government in there, and there was no government. And some of their excuses was like uh, they weren't paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. 
Yeah, they don't no like government. it when uh, people aren't, you know, giving their little little uh, bit to the government. Well, and the UN, doesn't matter how little it is, just well, so long as it's some. Plus, the the motivation on the UN's part is that it doesn't want to have a, a, a plot of land where there's no government to speak of. It doesn't want to have a country like Somalia not being ruled by some central government because then we'll start to see how the quality of life constantly improves, how the marketplace provides all of these services at a much cheaper, much more efficient on a much more uh, much more efficient basis. Than the government well, does, and the UN bureaucrats talk, don't want anyone to see that stuff. Well, this article talks about how IMF was what created the problem anyway. It created a, a despotic government because all the money went to the, obviously the people in charge instead of the people, the, the government, you know, the actual real people, mm-hmm. and that's what caused the problem to begin with. You know, IMF, the World Bank. I find the Somalian situation absolutely fascinating, and I'm glad you brought it up again. I'll have to be on the lookout for that particular article. Any other thoughts tonight? No, that's it. Thanks, Russell, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. He was calling in regards to an article initially that we had started last hour, and pretty much done with. There are a few more thoughts. I don't know if it's worth getting to, but from LewRockwell.com, talking about how the government is one of the biggest threats to safety. One of the biggest threats to security. It's one of the reasons. Why, it's the main reason why people hate Americans around the world. Is the right. the government in is it's it occupies over 130 countries. On 9/11, um, if uh, you know, some people don't believe that it, we were in fact uh, t- attacked by uh, p- terrorists. But if you believe that we were attacked by uh, people of Middle East descent and and they flew planes in the buildings. You got to ask yourself, well, why did they do that? And I, I believe that the answer is, some of them likely hate, you know, Coca-Cola and Britney Spears and everything that is the West. But I think that a, a great deal of them are brought on board with that simply because the United States is occupying all kinds of Middle Eastern countries. We have troops, even if we're not occupying in the mm-hmm. same way that we're occupying Iraq, we have troops in all those countries propping up those dictators in those countries. Let me just go ahead and finish this up here. This is from Butler Schaefer at LewRockwell.com. When Randolph Bourne told us that war is the health of the state, he was fully cognizant of the fact that the war mentality is essential to the creation and enforcement of the collective mindset upon which the state power rests. It, it is what war does to the rest of us, not just to those upon whom the bombs fall, that gives the state its authority. And this is why large nation states like the United States require an ongoing war system, and why smaller nations like Switzerland manage to get along quite profitably and peacefully without resorting to wars. And also, indeed, the, the, back to the question about the terrorists, you have to ask yourself, why is it that they don't attack Switzerland? Certainly, that's a Western culture. Certainly, they have Coca-Cola and attractive female singers. So why is it that the United States is the target? Well, it's because the United States government is the one with the troops in all the other countries, specifically the Middle East. Anyway, he goes on to say that in his important book, The Breakdown of Nations, Leopold Kor addresses the symbiotic relationship existing between organizational size and the exercise of destructive political power. He says whenever something is wrong, something is too big, he warns, an insight that goes a long way toward explaining why America, the most militarily powerful nation in history, has become such a tyrannical and destructive force throughout the entire world. That so few Americans are willing to be aware of or critical of this pathological condition testifies to the impact power-based thinking has on the minds of those who believe themselves to be protected by such forces. It's this military worship that we see all across the country. Yeah. 
The exercise of coercive power begets enemies, a lesson Ron Paul tried to impress upon the vacuous Rudy Giuliani and which Chalmers Johnson has written in his book Blowback. If power is to be maintained, an end to which every institution is devoted, it requires a regular exercise or else, like highly developed muscles, it atrophies and becomes flabby. But there is a downside to the escalation of the use of power, which may help to explain why a number of civilizations, like the western portion of the Roman Empire and modern America, seem to have gone into entropic collapses following expanded militaristic adventures. Perhaps a useful analogy is to be found in Lewis Thomas's book, The Lives of a Cell, in which he makes the suggestion that our immune systems are often the cause of death not because of their failure to ward off bacteria or viruses, but because of our defense mechanisms' overreaction to foreign agents. Our immune system may overreact to the invasion of a given bacterium, a response out of all proportion to the physical threat posed, and perhaps by raising our bodily temperature to 110 degrees, therefore bringing about our death. Killing us. Is there a lesson for all of us in this? Well, might the systems we have created, ostensibly for our own protection, be the sources of our uh, of our social miseries and destruction? See, well, he's, what he's kind of uh, bringing up is like autoimmune. Essentially, uh, having a good immune system is good. Having a too active immune system is bad for your body. And that's what they call, I believe, you know, I'm no doctor here, but I, that's my understanding of what autoimmune syndrome or whatever they call it is, mm-hmm. is that you're... Uh, you're uh, immune AIDS, system is no uh, oh. autoimmune is different than sorry uh, anyway the uh, you know your system's too good and it starts attacking itself Perhaps the status can learn from one of their own, Winston Churchill, who in 1936 offered the view that the United States, by intervening in World War I, probably brought about the rise of Nazism in Germany, fascism in Italy, and communism in Russia. For the sake of life on this planet, we must give up the fantasies that are destroying us and no longer indulge in the lies our institutional masters expect us to continue verbalizing. And I think what our caller last hour uh, was talking about, uh, Lauren who was talking about becoming a sovereign or reclaiming your sovereignty and just refusing to participate with these governments uh, with the government's demands that doesn't mean that you get to run around and start killing people no you don't aggress against your neighbors you you're a peaceful sovereign individual operating in the marketplace on a voluntary basis and if more people start withdrawing their their consent from these governments whether they be federal local or state start withdrawing their consent then they lose their power and they lose their legitimacy now one might be able to argue that the federal government can always just keep printing money so you can withdraw yourself from the federal government but it won't matter because as long as you're using their currency they still can steal as much as they want from you with the printing press and that would be a good argument which is actually a major reason why alternative currencies should be something that people are focusing on accomplishing sooner rather than later. To have something to transition over to, silver-based, gold-based, whatever-based, something based on something that people can switch to, that they can transition over to, and when you know that way they, they've withdrawn from not only the system, the government, but also they've withdrawn their wealth out of the government system in, in addition, are actually doing transactions in real value. More coming back. This is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy them on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo, proving they listened to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see what it's all about, shrine.freetalklive.com. If you've been listening to the show and you're thinking about liberty and you'd like to see liberty increased here in the United States, you'd like to see a smaller government, lower taxes, things like that, the most effective thing you can do is to join the Free State Project like Ian and I have. Um, the Free State Project is a, uh, it's an organization of 20,000 uh, liberty-loving individuals when it gets to 20,000, and we need you to sign up at freestateproject.org, and we're moving to one state to uh, bring it to liberty. We are already here. You should yeah. be here, too, if you love freedom. FreeStateProject.org. Hey, uh, Mark, I know you had something about the cops. You can hold off on that. Get that ready, because let's talk about Real ID. We haven't talked, uh, spoken of Real ID in a while on this program, because the last news we heard has been good news. It has been that there are more and more state government people that are saying no to the federal government on this Real ID issue. New Hampshire and a whole bunch Montana and a whole bunch of other states have uh, the government people there have made it very clear to the feds that they aren't interested in this now usually the reason is because the feds aren't going to fund it so it's not really a principled thing at all it's not uh in most of the cases it's not because the citizens uh, don't want it or it's not because this is uh, an insult to privacy or yeah, they, they don't really give a damn an outrage that. to states rights usually those aren't the uh, the reasons it might be the case in montana and maybe a, a handful of other places but for the most part, no. It's some, not a to some extent thing. here in New Hampshire. I mean, you know, to some but, extent, certainly there's a lot of opposition from the people. There are a lot of people that aren't interested in taking the real ID card. In fact, there are many who have pledged to not accept it. If indeed their state government decides to go ahead with the real ID, many individuals have said, "No, you know, this is it. This is my line in the sand. I'm going to begin non-cooperating if they try to." to foist this real ID upon me. So real IDs come up against quite a bit of opposition. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, the federal government has sort of quietly started pushing dates back. They, I don't remember even, I don't even remember what the original date was for real ID. But it's passed. But yeah, it's long gone. And we've been following the case for quite a while. So they didn't do too well with that. And from our friends over at DownsizeDC.org... Which does go to show, uh, you know, you make enough noise that uh, you, can, you can get things stopped. That's true, which is why the government's taking a new tactic. The government is uh, being a little sneakier now. Well, they, it was sneaky the first time. They, 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 you know, they couldn't pass Real ID through the Senate, and they managed to slip it into some funding thing in, uh, late at night. Mm, yeah. So it was sneaky in the first place. This whole real ID thing that they want for the Department of Homeland Security so that the uh, Department of Homeland Security director, uh, Chertoff, I think is uh, who, who mm -hmm. it is currently, uh, so that he can basically set whatever criteria are on whatever card, whatever sort of identification. So yep. they can have your DNA. They can have RFID chips. They can have whatever they want identifying you. Everybody has to get printed. Everybody has to be uh, uh, DNA'd. Make it whatever they want. And it's without passing it through Congress. It's just his decision. Exactly. So they may have run into a roadblock here, but this is still another example of how it is the political system doesn't result in ever turning the ship of state around and going towards smaller government. While, yes, you have a victory, Mark, in that some states have said no to real ID, it seems like a victory. It's not really, because a bunch of states said yes, and so a whole bunch of people will end up getting uh, real ID. It's just, a, it's just a slowing down of the, uh, of the increasing size of the state. It's just yep. restricting it ever so slightly. 
slightly. And all it really does is it, it gives the state reason to invest or in, investigate different ways to control people. Just like on a local – this even happens on a local basis. Here in Keene, we, we mentioned earlier, Keene, New Hampshire is where we live, uh, there was this ballot measure a couple of years ago that, that said that that uh, if you voted yes, then the, the city government was authorized to sell this g- defunct government building that's just sort of basically sitting there. And people overwhelmingly voted in favor of that because usually when given the opportunity, New Hampshire people will vote in favor of reducing the size of government. And so that's what they thought they were doing. But it turns out that the government said, well, that was only to authorize us to sell the building. Now that we're authorized, we've decided we don't want to sell yes. it. Yes, thank you very much for the authorization. We'll do it with the hell we want. So there's always some new tactic that they will take to try to control people's lives. Uh, and defending liberty only just results in slowing down the growth of the state. So here's another example of that from DownsizedDC.org. Lowell Rogers has been an engineer on a brownwater tugboat for 23 years. He loves his work, and his employer likes the way Lowell does his job. But starting in April of 2009, thanks to the Maritime Safety Act, Lowell's employer will have to assume he's a potential terrorist unless he has a transportation worker identification credential, a Mm. TWIC card. The TWIC will require a criminal background check and will include smart card biometric identifiers. That means thumbprints and retina scans and stuff like that. Whatever they can make it mean. It'll place sensitive information about Mr. Lowell into a centralized government database. Lowell, as an act of patriotism, will refuse to take what he calls the mark of the beast, and his 23-year career will come to an end. Now, here's why this matters to you, because unless you're a transportation worker, you might be saying to yourself, well, I mean, that's bad and everything, but at least it won't affect me. The Department of Homeland Security wants you to have a real ID card that's very similar to the TWIC, but DHS is failing to implement the real ID because state governments are resisting. 21 states are refusing to comply with real ID, and it's probably the biggest rebellion against the federal government since the Civil War. So what can the Department of Homeland Security do to overcome the rebellion? Oh, what can they do? The poor Department of Homeland Security. Well, they have a plan, and, the, and what it is is picking off the herd. They'll hit one industry at a time until so many people have smart cards that no one is left to resist. Those with the smart cards may even begin to think it would be just if everyone had one. It's a classic totalitarian strategy summed up by German pastor Martin Niemöller in his famous poem, First They Came for the Communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me. And by that time, there was no one left to speak up. And that is so important for people to keep in mind with today's government. It is uh, be, you know, now more important than it ever has been. And this whole idea here is brilliant on the part of the, the federal government bureaucrats. because Well, you know, so they do get some of the best and brightest minds, and they're going to come up with some, uh, some, some good ideas. The reason why it's so devious and so brilliant is because business owners are used to being uh, the bitch for the state. Yeah. They're used to being the enforcer. They're used to being the sales col- uh, tax collector. They're used to withholding income taxes and all the other taxes and bowing down and obeying OSHA and obeying whatever government rules uh, they believe have been put upon them. Listen, Ian, I know it's tough that uh, we got to get this ID card, but uh, you know, it's I, I'm, I'm just trying to run a business here, so you got to yeah. have this card, or I'm going to have to let you go. That's going to be how it is. So these business owners are going to feel obligated by the federal government to jump through all these hoops and to start 
and to demand that their employees get these identification cards, and that's how they're going to get this through, Mark. They're going to take time, it one yeah, Every time you get business involved, that's that's exactly the truth. Is uh, you know, it's 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 just okay. Uh, from the point right. of view, it's it's okay with uh, basically the people, the conservatives out there, because control is good. It's good to have control as far as the conservatives are uh, concerned, and it's good as far as the liberals are concerned because, well, uh, you know, business is bad, so business needs to be watched over and that kind of thing. So it's gonna, that's gonna fly. And if you thought downsized DC's Jim Babka was just speculating about how it is that, well, this is the beginning. He's suggesting that this TWIC, Transportation Workers Identification Credential or something, that this TWIC is the first step in a series of steps. And indeed, we know what the next step is already. We'll share that with you here in moments. 800-259-9231. Are you ready to accept your government smart card? Or are you going to say no this time? One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Yes, that's right. Julia showing up right smack dab in the middle of the show, but we'd rather have an hour and a half of Julia than no Julia whatsoever. So welcome back to the program. You've been very busy over the past few weeks, and that's why you haven't been here. Mm -hmm. So you just actually walked in on us discussing the new plans the new real ID. Well, they're not going to call it that. So no, never, that, 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 that plan's defunct. You know, that name's no good anymore. So now they're going to call it something else. Right. So you see, whenever government has something that becomes unpopular, like whenever they do something that's unpopular, like stealing houses from people, they just call it something different, like forfeiture. Or they call it, uh, you know, uh, eminent domain. Blight. It's, uh, yes, it's it's not stealing because we're doing it. We're the governor. So they love to change their little plans around if it becomes unpopular enough. And so what they're doing is they're going to sneak in the real ID through the back door. And that doesn't mean they're going to be meeting in another secret uh, session to pass the uh, to pass the real ID regulations again. It means they've completely changed their plan. The real ID is still moving forward. They're going to try to do it with real ID and see how successful they are. But at the, in the, at the same time, they're also creating the TWIC, the Transportation Workers uh, Identification Credential. And they're going to apply this to, I guess, everybody working in the transportation field, which that's a lot of people. I mean, professional drivers, people that work on boats and planes and things like that, all of those folks would qualify as transportation workers. So they're going to have to have this smart card, which will have biometric identification. It will essentially be the real ID card with a different name. And Jim Babka over at DownsizedDC.org was the one that, that turned me on to this through his Downsize DC newsletter that, that, or the dispatch that comes out frequently that you can get signed up for over at DownsizedDC.org. And he's not speculating when he says that this is just the first step, that they plan on taking this same idea and creating a special card, an identification card for every single industry in America. And here's his proof. Not only do they have the TWIC planned for transportation workers, but according to the story, Lowell Rogers may be among the first they're coming for, but he won't be the last. The president has issued a presidential directive, HSD 12, aiming to force all federal employees and contractors to carry a smart card. 
This means government employees and contractors will be the first part of the herd that they pick off. There are 1.8 million federal employees, excluding elected officials, the military, and employees of the Postal Service. But it won't end there. DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, is also attempting to impose smart cards on truckers and railroad uh, railroad workers, covering another 3.5 million workers. And the maritime TWIC portion of the strategy will apply to about 700,000 workers. So if the Department of Homeland Security can come for these 6 million people, how long before you think they're going to get you, too? Preventing this from happening starts with defending Lowell Rogers. This is the man that we talked about earlier. Right. He's one of the men that's going to be uh, forced to get a TWIC card if he wants to continue his 23-year-long career in the boating industry. Yeah, and he says he's not going to take the mark of the beast, so he's not going to be able to, to uh, you know, uh, continue. Now, I may not use the terminology mark of the beast, but I'm about as happy a- about it as he is. I think what upsets me most about this is that most people will not really feel bad about this because the thought process will be, oh, well, you know, if they're... If they're transportation people, we mm. I mean, we want them to be... Well, we don't want terrorists driving school buses. Right. So people will sympathize with this, or, right. or maybe they won't like it necessarily, but it won't, eh, whatever, you know, I guess it's a good idea, I guess it's okay, it's for it's for a good cause. Right. Well, plus, I and think you're on... sign it right away. Yep, I think you're onto something there, and that kind of ties in with what Jim suggested about how that once more and more industries start to get these cards, then the people who don't have the cards will start to be seen as, like, some sort of social weirdo or pariah to some extent, like, well, hey, we've all got our our smart cards. Why is it that you aren't taking the real ID? Are you are a you terrorist? better than us? Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's the other question. Uh, how is it that you can be so sanctimonious and say that you're not going to take one of these things? Do you do you think you're better than we are? So that's where this could totally go, and they are going to be able to have significant success at instituting these private cards because business owners are going to bend right over for this. I mean, we're going to be lucky if there are a handful of business owners that will refuse to participate. I mean, Julia, you work in the hospitality industry, is that right? Yeah. Restaurants are considered hospitality. What if they have a hospitality worker's identification card that they want to foist upon everybody? What will you do? I don't know, because if I want to keep my job and I like that's my job, it, I it. would have to get one. Right. And if other industries all around are starting to adopt these cards, then your choices as far as work is concerned or legitimate work right. is yeah. concerned become very, Pretty very soon minimal. You're digging holes. At that point in time, I think I'm moving somewhere else. I'm uh, moving to another country. That's, that's, it might Can't as well be free be a, in America. Yeah. Eh, well, that's why I think that if we're going to have success... In this movement for liberty, we need to stop cooperating, and we need to stop soon. Because the longer we just keep bowing down, and the longer we keep obeying these people, whether they be feds or locals or stateies, whoever, as long as we keep obeying, they will keep expanding their reign. They will keep expanding their power and their control over people's lives. It saddens me. There's this great article on Lou Rockwell um, from a guy here in New Hampshire uh, about his experience at the DMV, and it's actually pretty entertaining, so I don't know if we're going to get to it tonight or not. But but he talks about how here in New Hampshire there was this homeschooling legislation that they were looking at passing that would restrict homeschoolers more so than they currently are, and the homeschoolers turned out, and I believe they successfully fought it off right. for the time being. But as like we're talking about here, it'll keep coming back. The proponents of it will keep bringing it back until they it's manage the children after all. To, get, to get it passed. And he was talking about how it would change his way of life. And I thought to myself, no, 
a piece of legislation doesn't change your life. It's just words written on paper that men and women who are the same as you wrote down. It doesn't change your life. You're the one who are going to change your life. You're the one that if this homeschooling legislation gets passed or this TWIC card gets passed or whatever new legislation it is, if you believe it applies to you and you therefore then bow down and obey whatever its diktats are, it's your fault. You're the one that made that choice. But there's a lot at stake, so you can't really blame them. Yeah, when it comes, when it comes to, to homeschooling, you're talking about them taking your kids away. I understand that. And they that. will. They will show up at your I, house I get with that. guns and yes. take your children from I you. I know that people are scared of the men with guns. Oh, I and sympathize that's what they want. with them. I, I can empathize with them. I, I can do better than sympathize. I can empathize with them because uh, I understand that violent men are very, very scary. And the terrible things they could do are very frightening. And, and that's what they want. And being somewhat free seems like better than being in a jail but cell. But that somewhat free keeps getting smaller I to the point understand. where we are sure, in a I mean, jail cell. B- b- and people in Cuba it's a, are... a nasty vo- position that yep. we're in. People in Cuba are following the rules for the same reasons that we are talking about, that you and I, I are understand. talking about. It's the comfort zone. It's the, you, you know, you're in a comfort zone, and you want to just look, look, if I don't make a ruckus... If I don't make a ruckus, then they will leave me alone. If I just obey, they'll leave me alone, and I can spend my, you know, the remaining days of my life with my family and as much happiness as I possibly can have. But they won't leave you alone. They'll never leave you alone. There's always going to be more steps and more things that they're going to demand of you until the point at which we are completely owned 100% by the state. So if people don't make that choice to say, you know what, to hell with the possible consequences. I'm not scared anymore of what they might do because that's what they want. They want you to be frightened. They want well, you to it, be petrified and the, not do anything. Well, look, Ian, If uh, suppose for a second that the driver's license was the mark of the beast. I mean, are you willing to you know, give that up? Do you think that the, the average person would be willing to give that up? That's essentially what they're proposing here with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real idea is to make, or you know, in this case, the, the transportation workers and you yes. know, whatever card. What they're hoping to do is essentially turn it into a driver's license. Americans can't imagine not having driver's licenses. I understand that. So we need to start giving them the ability to imagine these things by refusing to obey. Because until people refuse to obey, they'll just keep ruling us. And then we're going to get to a point where things get really bad. And then if you want to leave, Julia, you might not be able to. It might get difficult. To actually leave it would at that get point. difficult, yes, but I would find a way to leave. Oh, there I'm are sure, ways. I'm sure you would, and hopefully you wouldn't get caught in the process yep. because then things aren't going to be very good for you. More on the way here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Keep cowing down to the state. See what happens. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the archives. We've got an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the site for your downloading convenience. 
Free for you at freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one, as they do collections, early-out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. Plus, they're just really good folks that love liberty over there. Yep, that is true. Let's go to your calls, and I'm going to continue to talk about the idea of what to do about this encroaching police state that we have, this totalitarian state. We'll get back to that. But first, let's talk to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Yeah, hello. Good evening. Uh, Actually, I wanted to talk about something else, but my view on the uh, biometric ID Mm -hmm. or the uh, ID with the chip and the data in it is that already in most of the high-tech corporations, the industrial uh, the military industrial contractors, they have some form of that. And I know at uh, Microsoft, they have very sophisticated personal ID cards. But I think people are going to accept them because their jobs will depend on it. That's exactly and, what this program is. And I think you're really, right. You know, that's really, uh, I think, the uh, way one can turn the screw in. And most people aren't going to give up their jobs, especially nope. in an economy that's collapsing. You got it, Frank. That's their plan. Well, and I don't think really there's much we can do about it. If we resist, then, you know, we may not have the job. But what I find most interesting about it is that all of these supposed secure biometric and digital chip-encoded ID cards, including the electronic passport that I currently have, uh, all of these can be hacked very easily and copied and modified. All of them have so, been hacked already. <laughs> yes, absolutely. you're correct. They are not so with, secure at all. Uh, I think it was Nick that told us that they hacked the real ID chip in like f- five minutes or something like true. that. That's true. And so in a sense, uh, in England, where they were actually doing this on a grand scale, or the United Kingdom, they actually had to cut it back uh, because they were having problems with the people hacking the chip, reproducing the data, extracting the data. So that it was actually, you know, more difficult than the current paper uh, IDs and documents. But one, considering that we're talking about IDs and documents, what do you think about the Obama birth certificate controversy? It's interesting that the I don't Pakistan know about Daily it. paper found the original uh, birth certificate in Kenya, and hmm. apparently. Uh, at the Mombasa Maternity Hospital. I think it's just a distraction, personally. It's a technicality, and it doesn't really matter. Well, I want to hear what he has to say on it. What what, what is it about the... Well, what I find interesting about it is that the Israeli press had talked about the Obama birth certificate as being a forgery in June. And what's interesting about it is the fact that the Europeans sort of know that, you know, he was born outside of the country because... They seem to have the information uh, in Kenya that, you know, he was actually uh, born there and that his mother decided to have him delivered in Kenya so that he could be a citizen of, you know, the United Kingdom. Because at the time Obama was born, Kenya was still a British colony. So what's interesting about the whole thing is the fact that uh, in this digital age where, you know, we're to have all of these databases and direct access to information, 
we can have you know a person being nominated by one of the two parties, whereby you know the proof of being a natural born citizen. You know, well, that's you actually know, in question for John McCain as well. Uh, apparently, no, no, he Congress was born in Panama or something like that. No, it's different because he was born of two American parents, and the canal zone was considered an American. Yeah, I understand all that. All I'm saying is Congress, there's more tech, there's technicalities on his side as well. And really, Frank, what would it matter? I mean, all of this is very well, intriguing, is, but it doesn't matter because if it wasn't Barack Obama, it'd be Hillary Clinton, and if it wasn't no, no, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Clinton it'd be somebody the else. The huh? point is. Everyone else to get a passport, you have to have uh, a birth certificate that's you know documentary proof that you were you know that you were you were born mm-hmm. wherever you were born. And what I find interesting about it is that uh, you know something as simple as that uh, could be slipped up. And I have a feeling the Republicans at the convention are going to really bring this out. And according to the mm-hmm. Constitution, only know. a natural-born American citizen can be. You know, president, elected president. I'm pretty sure they've already been vetted, and what's surely done is done. Yeah, surely they're going after this and, as, again, as fast as they matter. can. It won't matter. Frank, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate well, it. And even if they do bring it out, and then all of a sudden, the Federal Elections Commission, or whoever it is that oversees the elections, I believe it is the FEC, if all of a sudden the FEC decides to say, whoa, we really messed this one up. Well, all right, sorry, Barack, you're out. Uh, let's see, Hillary, you're in. Or whoever, Biden, I guess, is the running mate. Whoever, whatever, fill in your Democrat will be in his place. Same thing with McCain. If McCain all of a sudden they said, oh, my gosh, he was not born in America. He's disqualified. Okay, there's Romney waiting in the wings. It wasn't so, nearly as close in the, uh, with the um, you know, Republicans as it was with the Democrats. But. But, but the point is that person would be disqualified, so some other Republican or Democrat would end up filling his shoes. So what's the point of even talking about it? It's just this po- it's another silly political intrigue story about what the Republicans and Democrats are doing behind the scenes. What are those crazy Republicans do they have, doing? Do they have their paperwork in order? Well, we've investigated it and we've found out that they don't. <laughs> oh, look, how many houses does John McCain have? See, he's a wealthy man. Isn't this important how many houses he has versus how many houses Barack Obama has? This is also important. Bill, Barack Obama is a, a hard-working social activist was only, with only one million-dollar mansion. Right. This is in the same, same category as, oh, they're out there shaking hands with people. They're out there kissing babies. This is what candidates do. Look how well they're dressed. I mean, it's all a big – it's window dressing. It doesn't matter. Who, oh, these politicians are irrelevant. There's another article at Lou Rockwell about how uh, what these people want is nothing more than dictatorship. The Democrat brand versus the Republican brand. There is no significant choice here, and even if both Obama and McCain were disqualified, there would still be no significant choice. Because we all know Ron Paul, the only real choice in the primary election, is not going to make it to any further than the primary. He's done for. I don't know what's going to come out of his convention beyond maybe a few Free State Project members, and I think that'll be a good thing. But beyond that... I hope for something great. I I can't imagine what it is. Oh, by the way, did you hear the news? It's not really worth telling the whole story, but did you hear the news that the Republicans are actually considering delaying the start of their convention? No. Now, this this is really actually kind of interesting in that how many times has this actually happened in the past? I don't know. I can't imagine too many. And their reason... You're going to love this. The weather. Apparently, there's a hurricane possibly going to be hitting the Gulf Coast region. Minneapolis? Right. The convention's in Minneapolis, and it's they're the saying the weather. the most insulated place in the country right. from hurricanes. They're saying it's the weather that's keeping them out? 
Something else I think is going on here. I don't know if they're going to actually delay the, the entry. Again, that's why it's not really news because they're only considering delaying it. But the reasoning they give is because here's what one of their Republican uh, spokesmen, the spokesman for McCain says. Senator McCain has always been sensitive to a national crisis. We're monitoring the situation very closely. And they're talking about how because there could be a crisis during the time of the convention that they don't want that to happen at the same time because it would be insensitive to those people down there. So they're talking about canceling or delaying the start of the convention. Mm. Now, I'm going to speculate here as to why. I believe it's because Ron Paul's his uh, rally for the Republic, which is expected to be huge, is going to be happening literally down the street, as I understand it. Don't want that to happen. It's not far away. Well, the Ron Paul thing's going to happen, but they don't want it to happen in tandem with their event. That's what uh, pure speculation on my part. Anyway, 800-259-9231 to Bill in Oklahoma. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hi guys, how are you doing this evening? Hey Bill, what's on your mind? <laughs> uh, well, I have a conspiracy theory of my own about the whole uh, postponement, uh, postponing of the uh, Republican National uh, Convention, and that's pretty much once the uh, hurricane hits landfall, they need every bureaucrat available to go take people's guns. You can't take their guns away in Minneapolis. So. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on a more serious note, this it, it's. It started last week with the uh, the monitoring of school students by way of an ankle bracelet. Today, it uh, some bureaucrat thinks it's a good idea that all children in, in government schools should be tracked by GPS. And mm-hmm. now we got them thinking that uh, this ID program is going to fly. It's making secession look better and better every day. Sure enough, but there's no sooner time to do it than now. We really need to get our butts in gear and start non-cooperating with the, with the system because as long as we stay scared, they'll continue to grow in their power and then we'll all be enslaved evermore. Hour three's coming up. Thanks for the call. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us as we launch here in hour number three of the program. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And are you looking for an edge in business? Try a free one-month subscription to Executive Summaries for Business Leaders. Log on to eChapter1.com to receive summaries of today's best business books. That's E as in easy, ChapterOne.com, eChapter1.com. And use the discount code FTL to get yourself that free one-month subscription. You know, I love, I, I, I've used this, and I, and I love this service. It's, uh, it's, it's neat. It, it's awesome. You, you, as a uh, business-type person or somebody wants to help themselves, that kind of thing, I've, I've run across so many business books, and some of them sound really good. Some of them sound like they don't have you know, anything for me, but I'm sure they all have little nuggets in them. And they have uh, staff writers uh, from some of the most major uh, newspapers in the country that uh, you know, take these summaries from these books. They, they read through a bunch of books and then take summaries from the best books and, and put them out there so that you can read them. It's pretty cool. 800-259-9231. Last hour, we were talking about 
the rise of the identity state, where the state wants to keep a whole bunch of biometric information, health information, all kinds of info, as much info as they can collect about you. They want to put it all on a smart card. They might call it Real ID. They might call it the Transportation Workers Identity Credential. And they might call it something different for whatever industry that you're working in. But basically, they're working toward getting as many people in America on a standardized federal identification system as they possibly can get. And last hour, we were also talking about how the only way to stop this, in my opinion, is for people to stop cooperating. It's what has um, – it is – non-cooperation is what has stopped Real ID so far. It's this, this, even at the state government level, non-cooperation is powerful, where the state governments have told the feds, look, we're just not going to do this. And what can the feds do? Can they, are they going to go in and arrest all the state workers? Of course not. There's not enough room in prison for that. So there's nothing the feds can do if people non-cooperate. In a similar way, there's nothing that the local people can do if enough, if enough people non-cooperate. But one of the things you said, Julia, that, that um, I want to discuss well, a little bit further is the idea of leaving once things get so bad. And I just wonder if all you're doing there is trading one set of tyrants for maybe a slightly nicer set of tyrants. Well, or less efficient ones. Well, here's my take on that. Um, that may be true. At that point in time, I would have made the decision that... Okay, let me start over. First of all, I would like to make it clear that if I'm to be in the United States of America, as things continue to get worse and worse, there is nowhere I would rather be and nowhere I feel more safe in the U.S. than New Hampshire. However, if things get so bad in this country that I feel like leaving, and I have always said that when they got to a certain point that I may be interested in leaving, Mm -hmm. at that point in time, I'd be saying to myself, you know, I'm just I'm young and I would rather live my life somewhat free than in a jail cell. See you later. It's sad and but I mean like I do whatever I want now anyway. They sure you say do. the government says I can't smoke pot. I smoke pot every day. I I mean I do whatever I want anyway. So sure. they're not telling me telling me that I can't do something in another country isn't going to make me not do it. No, I understand but if they're that. talking about ID cards and stuff, I'd rather live in a place where they didn't have ID cards. And is that the, is that an issue that would uh, drive you out of the country? As a ID cards? ID? Yeah. I think that would start to, like, I would start planning at that point in time. I, that's not necessarily one that would would drive me out. But I think that things could progress to a point where I just didn't want to be here anymore. I think absolutely that there could be better places to live. Well, you know, what I often think of is uh, some third, when w- third the, world countries where, uh, you know, I've got a, got a little bit of money and, right, and savings and equity. Um, you, you know, you can take uh, $100,000 and turn it into um, effectively in value a million dollars by moving to some country that's like exactly what I would Panama. Do. And their government, although they're going to be, you know, they're, they're certainly going to go after people with more money. They're not very efficient in the sense that they don't have all the computers mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. And, and they haven't grown their, the size of their government. You know, I, I guess as long as you biggest government that the world's ever seen. Yeah, I guess as long as you don't get invaded by the U.S., then you'd be all right. You'd you'd be a little more free. Panama was my first thought, but that's only because I knew the currency exchange rate. And I haven't really done research, but if things start to progressively get really bad in this country, I'm going to look at other countries to move to. And I'm sorry if that makes me a horrible person, but 
Man, no, I don't think it I'm makes 23 you a years person. old and I got I mean, a long life ahead of me. People, they want. I don't us, want to be in a jail cell. They want the lightest burden they they possibly can have, and I think I think that makes sense. It's just that for somebody like me, trading one band of tyrants for another that's slightly nicer is not really going to do anything significant well, beyond just free free me from a couple of chains. I'll still hate the fact that I'm living I underneath people that want to control my life, so I won't be that much happier as a result of doing too, that. I will too, but I'll hate my life less than I'll hate my life if I'm in a jail cell. And I know here. that some people don't agree with that. I know that some people say that they'd rather not give in, and, and I totally can respect that, and I can understand that, but I'm just, I would rather be somewhat free and be able to live a nice life, a somewhat nice life, right. than live in a jail cell. The toll-free number here would love your thoughts on this issue at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. That, of course, is the mentality that's gotten us to the point where we are, though. You, you do realize that. It's that mentality that, well, I like my comfortable life how it is. Yeah. I'm not going to refuse. I'm not going to disobey because then my life won't be comfortable anymore. Then they could target me. Then they could uh, steal my house. They could steal my car. They could steal my children. They could steal my wealth. They could steal my bank account. They could do horrible things to me. It's that fear, that exact same mentality that has gotten us where exactly where we are look ian um you know social activist you know the the people doing uh you know civil disobedience or whatever you call market activism that kind of thing they all have their breaking point too not all of them most of them have a breaking point too look if if the state threatens you know like you know comes and takes my son away i'm going to do what it takes to get him back what what do you mean by that i'm going to do what it takes to get him back you're going to kill somebody no i'm gonna try to you know how is killing somebody gonna get him back well i know there's one way to get him back i mean how are you gonna get him back do what i have to do to get him back whatever they tell you him mean, he i'm to gonna do. kiss their their foot if they right. tell me to, to do that right. to get my son back ian sure so everybody's got their breaking point yeah the the the, the, the will you know where your breaking point doesn't right. you know doesn't make you a better or worse person i, mean, I didn't say just, anybody was better or worse I just said that's the mentality that has gotten us to where we are. And if people reject that mentality and and embrace non-cooperation, if it's not just one person, if it's a whole bunch of us, then there's nothing they can do. They can't take everyone's kids, and they can't take everyone's house. My problem with that is that... I'm not willing to give up my kid. I could really, you know, when it comes down to my kid and everybody else's kid... You first, right? You first. It's got to be. It's got to be. You have like it's cowardice you is have, what it no is. no what it is is it's a complete disregard for fam- familial relationships Ian it is I mean think about it you you're not married to Julia and as much as you love her you're not married to her you got a vasectomy you're never going to have your own progeny you understood this problem long ago and took care of it in your life you're never going to be related to anybody but your parents okay and you understand point? that issue what's your point. I'm telling you, familial relationships are important to everyone. They would be important to you if you had them. Freedom's important to people, too, and that's why they obey, so right. they can have as much as they can get. They're not as you important have as familial relationships. Like, you have a radio show, and your entire life is built around absolutely nothing but trying to be free and trying to help others be free. And that's fantastic for you, but, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not in the same position as you are, and it would be different for me. I'm willing to do a great deal for liberty. I've I moved am too. Here, you know, I've done a mm-hmm. whole whole bunch. But when it comes to, when push comes to shove, you'll and they start bay. taking kids Just like away. Like a good slave. Yep. Yep. I'll, I'll do like Julia does, and I'll leave. What if they take your kid anyway? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. You're just gonna leave. Okay. Well, what are you sense. gonna do? What, what, look, if um, there's the the one story of the people is, in Nazi Germany people... that, that that in the I mean that, that passed out the, the the derisive pamphlets and they died. 
You know, uh, that's what I'm telling you, Mark. You keep bringing up personal examples of how you could individually be harmed. But all I'm saying is if enough people reject the state and if enough people non-cooperate, then none of that matters anymore because they lose their legitimacy and they're done for. Unfortunately, we operate as individuals um, and you can't control what other people are going to do. I, I don't want to control what other people are going to do. The nope. state wants to do that, and they're successful at it because of this mentality. Because, oh my gosh, I've got too much to lose. I can't disobey. Oh, but whatever they say, I'll do, because they might hurt me. Well, aren't you just awesome for being the most no, hardcore I'm not, liberty I'm not lover hardcore. ever? I'm not hardcore. I paid property taxes this year. So I'm not hardcore. I'm just advocating that more people start considering this so they could come here and maybe we can be hardcore together because we can't stand alone. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Travel less, meet online, try WebEx free. Go to WebEx.com and enter promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com. Enter promo code 600 and start your free trial of WebEx today. 800-259-9231. Would still love your thoughts on the issue that we're discussing here, which I don't know if I can sum up briefly. But essentially, the idea is, I don't want to tell you guys what to do, and I don't want to encourage you to step out. I don't want you to step outside of your comfort zones and put your families in danger or put your jobs in danger or anything like that. I want you to do what you think is right. But what I want you to do is to be cognizant and be well aware of whenever it is that you're bowing down. Be very, very well aware of it. That's all. Just be aware that when you go and you get the driver's license, you're bowing down. Be very cognizant of that, and that way you can pay attention to all of the times in your your daily life that you are obeying these people well, who are calling themselves I your masters. I am absolutely aware of the fact that I am obeying them on a daily basis, but I've weighed the pros and cons, and my life is better when I just obey some of the things they ask me to do. And that's and what I'm they want you to do. I'm sorry that that's the way it is, but right. it is. That is the way it is, and and it's you know it's it's interesting having this discussion with you guys because you get the liberty thing. Unlike most people, like most people have that same mentality, but they don't get liberty. So we can have this conversation without you getting too upset and, and all of that. And I just think that um, it's fine to to obey if it's just you. But if we have enough people together that are willing to disobey, you guys were bringing up during the break, Russell Canning, one of the activists here in New Hampshire in the Keene area, or he was in the Keene area. I think he's in Grafton now, but. A good man. Anyway, no, no, no finer man out there and, and, and you know, a strong activist. He's, he's a brave man. He's one of the, the leaders in the non-cooperation movement. And you had pointed out that he has given up, sort of. I mean, that he kind of gave in to the state. Recently, he was in court. We talked about this on the air. He was in court for driving without the government permit, without their registration. And the court said, well, it'll be $300 fine. And Russell said, well, and they said, when can you pay it? He said, never. And so then the court said, well, how about community service? And he said yes. And you were critiquing him for, for saying yes. I mean, not that you were saying no. he shouldn't have said yes. You were just saying that, well, he so sounded all principled, and then now all of a sudden he's bowed down to the state. Because 
for some reason, he has decided, maybe it probably has a lot to do with his family, that he would rather just bow down, get it over with, and be able to spend time with his family Absolutely. instead of in a jail cell. And, and I don't I can't fault him for him. that. No, I don't fault him for that either. And I don't blame anybody for not stepping outside of their comfort zone. I don't blame them for that. But I think that Russell's case would be different if there were 10 other people like Russell in town that were also similarly not obeying the state and not driving or driving rather without the government permit. If there were 25 people like Russell, it'd be even better. And if there were 50 people or 250 people, we'd be unstoppable. And so that's what I, the message I'm trying to get across. If you're well aware of how often you're obeying, then maybe you'll be more likely down the line to not obey. Not everything, not stop obeying everything. It's like me. I haven't stopped obeying everything all at once. I'm taking small steps into that world by not obeying them when they demand I take the couch off of my lawn, by not obeying them when they demand $5 for a parking ticket. These are the little areas wherein the government micromanages our lives, and they demand all kinds of absurdities from us, and we just jump through their hoops. Well, all I'm saying is, how, do, how about we just try stopping jumping through all of the hoops? Not, not all at once, but you know, just instead of jumping through all their hoops, maybe avoid a hoop or two. And well, if you avoid a hoop it. or two, you're a coward, Ian. That's no, I'm talking about non-cooperating. No, That's I'm it. telling you that if you don't non-cooperate at every single turn, you're a coward. Um, no, that's that's not the case at no, all. That, yeah, that's what it sounded like uh, the conversation was going like in the last segment. The mentality is cowardice. That much is true. That doesn't make you a coward. It makes you sensible because you want to live your life as free as you possibly can, which is why you need other people together. It's foolish. It may be it may not be cowardly to stand up alone. It may be it may it's definitely not cowardly, but it is foolish because you will be steamrolled over top of. And I think I've made that quite clear. It's foolish for somebody to stand alone against the power of the state. You can't beat City Hall by yourself. You need to have a support network behind you. Which is why non cooperating where you are if you're not in New Hampshire is a much more difficult proposition than doing it here in New Hampshire. So I think we're, again, just beginning to get into the area of experimenting with these ideas of non-cooperation and seeing what the state's response is like. And I think the more people that experiment with it, the more influential will become, the more people will start to talk about these issues, because that was one of your critiques earlier, is that, you know, nobody's talking about these things. Well, if you have non-cooperation, it spurs those conversations. People will start talking about, well, why do we need a driver's license? Does it really certify people? Or is it just a fundraising opportunity? I don't think that most people, honestly, will make that leap at all. I really don't. I think most people will say, well, I have a driver's license, so why do you think you don't need one? That's why we, we have the media. Have people. That's why we have newspapers, radio, television, and websites. That's why we have our own media to put our own message out there into people's heads. So I, while I agree with you, Julia, that that's generally what people all across the country will do, if those people are living in a geographic region where it's covered in pro-liberty media, then those chances are, are, the chances are more likely they will come to understand what we're talking about. But if people don't disobey, then those conversations won't happen. Then it'll just be a political issue of, well, I think we should lower the drinking age because of this and this and this. And here's the academic argument for lowering the drink drinking age. It's a good idea because of this. And then the other side will come back and say, well, it's a bad idea because kids, you don't want kids to drink and the drinking age is fine just how it is. In fact, we should raise it to 27. You know, so then you've got this, again, this continuing battle, this academic political battle that just goes on forever. Whereas if you actually had people underage drinking and doing it in public – and doing it safely, 
then you'd draw attention to that issue, and there, you can't put that many people in prison cells. Well, that much is true. If you can get, um, it's absolutely true that if you can get enough people on your side in an issue, you you change everything. But uh, that's all I'm talking about here is is getting people a little bit out of their comfort zones. Don't run all the way over into the world of non cooperation. You know, take it slow. Take it easy. Figure out the areas where you feel safest non-cooperating and go into those zones. That way you'll become more confident about your abilities as a sovereign person to make your own decisions for your own life. And then you'll be able to be more confident about maybe taking a few more steps when there are enough people behind you, when you have enough of a support network in order to do these things. We're doing amazing things here in New Hampshire as a result of having this wonderful support network behind us. And so we're just getting into the very beginnings of this. Very beginnings on the uh, non-cooperation stuff. Right. And I think that there's a long, long way to go. And, it, and I'd say that we've probably had more uh, success in the political realm um, here as, as far as freedom goes. We've got uh, all kinds of candidates, seven, over 70 candid- pro-liberty candidates on the ballot here in New Hampshire uh, you know, for 2008. And I think that that's a huge step. And it's, I understand, it's certainly not happening in any, state, any other state. I understand it is scary. And I understand that those with the most to lose are going to be the last ones to come on board. That I completely understand. It's going to be the single men and women who don't have big families attached to them, who don't have a job that's that important to them that are going to be the ones on the leading edge of the civil disobedience. For instance, we got a guy that's going to sell some hot dogs illegally downtown here in Keene sometime next month because, well... That's uh, it's actually an issue here. We can tell you more about that here in moments. And you can bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, it's your show. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We've got live streams, a broadband version and a dial-up version, both free for you at freetalklive.com. Now testing in a 24-7 capacity, so you can tune into the streams any old time of day. And you'll hear the latest show uh, streaming with limited commercial interruptions. So head on over to uh, freetalklive.com and enjoy all that on us. All right. So 800-259-9231. We continue with your calls about whatever you want. It's Catherine in Kentucky. Catherine, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. I I thought it was very interesting when you talked about having your children taken away because just to preface this, I'm 53 years old. Mm -hmm. Um. And my kid was taken away by one of those parental kidnapping things back in the day prior to the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, And uh, I was told I'd never see my son again, so I did the whole due process thing. You know, the clean hands doctrine, the guy kidnapped him, yada, yada, yada. I went through the whole thing. And it took me 12 years Mm. using the system. Forget about it. Fast wow. forward. By that time, now your I'm kids living, aren't kids anymore. Yeah. Fast forward. I'm living in Brooklyn, New York. Now I have a child that has been abandoned by the father that took him, who is a mess, who is now in the system. And I, at the time, I was advocating for the elderly in Brooklyn Landlord Tenant Court. Can they win? Absolutely not. 
They can say they have improvements, whatever. Fast forward two years ago, this goes to your where are we going to live next question. I'm in Paris, and I am so fed up that I'm calling myself a Canadian every time I speak English. So I go to the English church on the left bank, and I just look at what apartments are available. I'm done. At this point, I fought every good fight for the elderly, my son, everything else. And I look at these apartments, so I come back to the U.S. Now I'm living here in Louisville, Kentucky, right? And I find out that I cannot leave the country because in 1993, when I was doing the custody thing with my son, I earned $4,000 a year, and I have a tax lien for $43,000. Against yourself? Yes. I didn't know they could put liens on your person tell me i have i have called the tax advocates i have used this system and advocated for people in this system i am 53 i'm an old gal and i went through this back in the vietnam war wow i saw this so when you say a tax lien i'm sorry you mean like the irs says you owe us this right oh yeah okay i have not had a tax refund since 1992 conservatively right and there's no begging that's going to make this go away right there's no uh there's no process to make that disappear no they they say you owe it so you owe it yeah and they said well you know you can go to the tax court in virginia i said you've just taken everything i own and you want me to go to a tax court in virginia Hmm. so if you think that you're going to leave this country scot-free you're not going to Hmm. and if you think you're going to fight this You're not going to. And I don't care how many voices you have. It's not... I, I don't know how to do it. Well, I'm not that pessimistic. But, I, uh, well, I understand your pessimism. It's hard when you've, when you've uh, you know, when you've been and, screwed and, yeah. and, you know, lost. I, I understand that. Mark, you lost nine years of your life. That, that was no easy thing. Well, uh, you, know, you were in a it prison wasn't cell. A, it wasn't a, I wasn't a political prisoner. <laughs> right. Uh, but that said, I mean, you managed to bounce back. It is, it is possible to come back uh, from, well, from their attacks. I've also been at Gatwick. I sat there with my new... Uh, you know, a real ID thing. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I sat there uh, because I'm a terrorist. Because I happen to also be Irish, and you know, innocent till proven Irish in England, and 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 that's just the way it goes. But I expected that. I mean, I mean, that's the kind of thing you expect. Right. You didn't but expect the forty thousand dollar debt that all of a sudden appeared. Basically, it's more than that. Yeah. But it's it's just ridiculous. It's like. I did not have to legally file taxes in that year, even. I mean, I mean, I mean, I went to two years of law school, and I do know the code. And <clears throat> I'm a professional person, but I'm telling you guys, I respect what you're doing so much. But at 53 years of age, I'm at the point where if I make another dime, I'm going to buy an island. I really <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not the first. Pro- it's not the first time that idea has been proffered. But unfortunately, the last time it was tried, the king of Tonga came over with a gunboat and uh, took over. I thank you for the call tonight. Certainly appreciate hearing from you. Unfortunately, the find an island and live there option isn't really valid on the, in this well, day and age. You can you can find an island and live there. You just can't move a bunch of liberty loving individuals to it. <laughs> yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I don't know. I like the. I don't like the idea of having to go crack open coconuts every single day to to eat. It doesn't sound like much fun to me. 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was looking at island properties the other day, and some of them had grocery stores an hour away. Hey, that's nice. All right, 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Bile in New Jersey on the AMP line. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bile. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, uh, you guys are talking about civil disobedience and uh, you know ways in which you can uh, be non-cooperative and kind of get to other people, change your minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, past couple months, I had been, well, started in May, I had gotten a long-form census oh, in yeah. the mail, and I had trashed it, and uh, they sent me another one, and I trashed that one. Hmm. And so they started sending their uh, bureaucrat, local New York bureaucrat, to uh, bother me. Yeah, they do follow-ups uh, on people that don't send them back. Right, and I found that online there's not a whole lot of information about uh, you know what happens. Right, I mean, what the penalty the is for not filling out one, one of these One of the things. reasons why is because so many people obey. So we don't hardly right. know what happens as a result because people just bow down. Sure. And so you've got the law, and the law says, uh, I think it's Title uh, 13 of the U.S. Code, it's a $100 fine if you don't do it, um, and 500 if you lie. And then there's uh, some criminal code that override that. So it's a, minim- a maximum of $5,000 fine you can get. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came after me and came after me for a couple weeks, and then they stopped. Hmm. Uh, and during this time, I'm explaining to my coworkers and everything what's going on and my landlord and my neighbors. Cause Did they think I'm you were crazy? Them, um, no, in fact, they didn't. That was kind of the thing. Really? Um, and that's you're you're discussing whether or not people will think you're crazy for non-cooperating. So the long form has all these invasive questions. It's not as bad as some of the stuff I think you guys have covered about England, but they ask all kinds of things. You know, how much you pay for heating, how much you uh, how much you drive, all kinds of things. And of course, and if so, you, if you fill this out and you don't tell them the truth as as they des- decide the truth is, it's a f- what is it? Five thousand dollar fine. Five thousand dollar fine. Yeah. Go ahead with your point. So, um, so when I described that I was refusing to do this and intending them, showing them online, they have a sample of the form, showing them all the questions they asked. They're like, "Well, you know, the Constitution says that this is only for enumerated, you know, to right. find out how many people there are." I can't believe um, that so anybody on. even knew that, but okay. Uh, some of them do, and if they don't, I tell them. But right. the, so. You know, afterwards, once they realize that and then they see all these questions, and some of them, you know, they'd rather not, some they don't care about, and other ones they do care about, uh, they're like, well, yeah, why do they need to know your name if they're only supposed to be getting the head count? Mm-hmm. Um, why do they need to know um, how much you make? How mu- why do they need to know all these things? Sure, they say it's for budgeting uh, so you can get federal dollars, but, eh, you know, maybe I don't want to say that, and why should I have to? go to jail potentially for this. Sure. Um, so my my landlords, my neighbors, my coworkers, all were sort of in, in agreement, and eventually they just stopped showing up to my door. I stopped getting letters. The last letter I got was incredibly threatening, big, bold, large print really? uh, uh, that said, uh, you know, Title 13 says you can only be fined $100, but this overrides it. It's $5,000, and we will prosecute you. And sure. And they just disappeared. How long ago was uh, it that the, you got their last uh, communication? It was uh, about a month and a half ago. And the fine hasn't ever hasn't ever shown up. No, I called them and uh, I hang on, I'm gonna, I get, we'll, we'll bring you back. Hang on, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Again, this is what I'm talking about: small areas of your life where normally you might obey, that you can just say, "Now nah, let's try not obeying this time and, and see what happens." It's free talk live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call. 800-259-9231 is the number. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support the show, please go shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Buy the stuff you need for life in over 41 categories, plus even used items. Get it all at amazon.freetalklive.com and feel good because a percentage of your sale is going to Free Talk Live. And, Mark, you're begging me to mention the voting again. Uh, we're getting diminishing returns on this at, uh, at this point. <laughs> we are. Vote.freetalklive.com. Yeah. We, we please. You. I am some friends right now. Ask them to vote at vote.freetalklive.com. We, we really need it. We go back to your calls about whatever you want. It's Bile on the line in New Jersey. Bile, you were telling us about... You were telling us about uh, your situation with the census. The government sent you a census form, and you elected to not fill it out and return it to them. And they started threatening you. They sent you several threatening letters. And you said the last one that they sent actually suggested that it wasn't just going to be a $100 fine, that it may actually be a $5,000 fine. And it was, they were, they're trying to scare you into, into doing what they want you to, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Um, they they hand delivered each of these letters too. They, the guy really? drove from uh, I don't know twenty thirty miles away and just wow. to drop the letter off. That is but shocking to, to me. I thought it was a little um, overboard considering they did at one point send me something in the mail, so it wasn't as if that was the only thing they right. did. Aren't you scared, but, uh, Bile? Aren't you frightened that they uh, they're going to fine you five thousand dollars? Not at all. Why? Not at all. Um, because I, I I don't care. I mean, part of it is that uh, if you look if you look around and find a, there is a little bit of information about what has happened to a couple people. Mm-hmm. The the government has prosecuted or, or pressed charges against a few people, like during Vietnam, but uh, that's like all I could find really. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems that it's and in fact, I think a congressman a couple years ago said that the only reason that there's a fine is to entice people, but they don't to actually use it. Yep. Right. I think a lot of government is them trying to get you to agree to follow their rules by trying to puff themselves up and look very scary. But if enough but, people say no, like you are, then they lose all their legitimacy and they can't do jack. I think that that's uh, to some extent that's true. But Bile, um, now it may, I understand that you looked and you saw that there were a lot of people that uh, you know didn't didn't get this th- uh, sort of thing to happen to them. But you know what does it cost? No, the he government? didn't see anything. He, he went online. He said he researched it. Right. I thought you said you went online and you didn't see any real stories about people not filling this out, except for in the 70s, right? Right. There was really nothing significant. And in fact, I, when I started posting it on my blog, and uh, you know, I digitized everything I had gotten, all my uh, letters and whatnot. And uh, I got several people who contacted me asking them, asking me what they should do, um, because they. But I, I was still in the process of dealing with it. So um, my my question to you is this: Is if they had hit you with a five thousand dollar fine, um, I I you sound like a young man. Do you have five thousand dollars to pay? Yes. You do. You you would have paid it. No. Well, how would you have not paid it? Just, just don't pay. Not paid it. Well, like you would have removed all your money from your bank accounts, um, sold your houses, and gone underground. Um, I probably would have. Rem- yes, I. Well, I don't own any property, but I would have. Uh, and you wouldn't have bought any. I can tell you that. Um, I, I, I mean, there's, uh, you guys up in New Hampshire, at least a couple of you have, have uh, done similar things. You know, I, 
I would have figured it out when I got there, but I would take taken precautions. Russell Canning, for instance, uh, up here in New Hampshire, went to Manchester Airport to do some uh, civil disobedience, and they gave him a, a multi-thousand-dollar fine, which he hasn't paid. I think they've sent him a couple of reminders about how he supposedly owes them this money. And, of course, there is no information anywhere publicly that's uh, as far as, like, on the door of the airport or anything like that that says you're subject to being fined for uh, for not doing exactly what the TSA people say at every, every single moment. And so nothing has happened yet to Russell Canning for ignoring that fine. Well, remember, this um, this what uh, Bile, um, you know, refused to do was, was in fact, a, a law law that was passed it's an unconstitutional law but a, a, but a law nonetheless um, the TSA doesn't have any fining jurisdiction they they're just sending the law doesn't a piece have of any paper. jurisdiction either but it's just words say, on paper but, you know um, it it doesn't it in people's mind you, you, he can uh, Russell can fight more easily the fine than uh, than than Bile could this I don't law. Know if I agree. He's going to pretty both much federal, go to the Supreme Court on this. They're one. both federal agencies and they're both authorized by their words on paper. So I don't know if I agree. Anyway, Bile, great story and let us know if anything well, ever it, develops. Yes, sir. Well, it does have a conclusion. Oh, okay. Um, so a month and a month went by or so, and I heard nothing back. So I went and I called the local New York um, you know office. And played dumb, asked for, you know, if my name had come up in the registration, because I noticed on their website that you can find out whether or not you've been scammed by someone about the census. So you mm-hmm. can find out if your name was picked. And when they brought up my name, they're like, oh, you were from the May census? Um, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. That's passed, and your data is no longer worth anything to us. Mm-hmm. So it's not so mandatory after all. Hmm. Interesting. I, that's an interesting phrase. Your data is no longer worth anything to us. Do they get funding based on the amount of people that return the census? Um, well, I think that what they changed the census a number of years ago, I think in 99, to a rolling census. So mm-hmm. instead of every 10 years, they do it every month, I think, and they just pick a subsection of the population. And it seems that if you're not, if they don't get the data in time, that they just don't include it. Yeah, but I find that very interesting that they're tying it to money. I think that it's like a lot. I bet you it's like a lot of government programs. Like for instance, the amount of kids that go into the government school system determines how many, how much money the government school administrators will get. Uh, similarly, the amount of kids that are stolen by CPS or the D- Department of Children and Families determines what their budget size is. And it may be that the amount of people that return the the census determine the next year's budget for the the, the census well, department. They- they practically told me that when the guy really? was coming to the door, he did meet up with me once when I was uh, home, mm-hmm. and uh, he told me he's like, "Well, they, you know, your representative needs this to be able to make uh, decisions on how much we spend for the schools and the roads and the this and the that." Interesting. You know, one one of the things that might have been uh, made the situation more interesting is if you had a video camera handy to record the encounter with the census bureaucrats, because that really helps make this stuff tangible instead of just. Being able to tell the story on the phone, you can actually post videos on YouTube and really point people to see how these bureaucrats behave. And I think that's going to be another important factor here. Whether or not you decide to non-cooperate, at least having a video camera around could help the bureaucrats behave a little bit nicer. I thank you, Bile, for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. And if you do decide to non-cooperate, you definitely should have a video camera handy in case they decide to harass you. Let's continue with your calls and talk to Scott in Canada. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Hi there. Uh, you know, it is. It can be kind of scary doing, you know, things like that where you're going to get in trouble with the law. Mm-hmm. Even if you're right, especially. I, I thought about this a lot in my case. I, I am. Uh, I'm the breadwinner for my wife, and I have four children, and Gosh. you know, we have a home, and 
you know, it, the thought of risking my home and my family's stability is a real, you know, it's a real danger. I have all these people that are dependent on me. So that's, you know, that's the little thing they have over my head the whole time. Sure if is. I want to resist paying property taxes or a portion of them or, you know, you, you, know, you, know, you, know, you see what I'm getting at. It's, oh, it's yeah. a scary idea. It is scary. But how about this for a scary idea? What are you going to do when the tax rate goes up to 90%? You're just going to keep paying <laughs> along? I mean, you have to ask yourself, <laughs> where is your line again. in the sand? Do you have one? I just moved out of my city. I moved to a small town just outside of Winnipeg, mm-hmm. partially to escape the taxes. There's so much corporate welfare there, you know, money for stadiums and water parks and sure. all these big businesses. And I, I was sick of it. I Luckily, of we do have crap. the freedom to move away. I mean, that much we certainly do, do still have the freedom to do. But eventually, if you keep moving and they keep putting new rules on, you're going to get to the point where you're going to either be at Julia's point where she's just like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to go, I'm gonna move to another country. But even if you move to another country, they could still start piling more oh, rules yeah. on top of It'll you. It'll so be anywhere, anywhere you go. There's only so long you can move away, is what I'm saying. Well, until, at some point you die. Yeah. Until the rules get too oppressive, and everybody has to have their line in the sand. It's something to think about. And, Scott, I thank you for the, uh, for the call tonight. We're short on time here. Mark, uh, you've got a quick message. Yeah, um, it was uh, in a four-week clinical trial. Participants were advised to maintain their normal eating and exercise habits without changing their daily routine. Routine: eighty-three percent of the participants using the key components in Dexy Twenty lost weight, and seventy-two percent lost inches off their waist. I'm taking Dexy Twenty; it's working for me. I think you should try it too. You can get it at CVS, uh, Walgreens, and you can go to get it at diet.freetalklive.com. I'm going to try to sneak in Mike here in Ohio. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yeah. Speaking up against uh, being disobedient. You're when, speaking uh, against it? Yeah. When, okay. If you're, if you're a child and a student and uh, teachers and or preachers are in schools are being uh, overly abusive against the kids and doing humiliating, embarrassing things to them, I've always spoke, spoke out. As far as the, even the early 60s when it was unpopular to do so. <laughs> you know well, what I'm saying? You yeah, know, absolutely. Teachers were overly abusive. The so if they're a little abusive, that's okay, right? <laughs> Thanks for the call, dude. We're out of time. Sorry about that. It has been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. To return tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition, you can join us online between now and then at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.